0: Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Today on Obsessed with Design, I chat in person with Eric Cass. You may remember him from season one, episode seven, talking about his commercial art practice. Eric is without a doubt, one of the people I know who is most obsessed with design. And I'm guessing it's gonna come out a little bit in this conversation. So without further ado, please enjoy conversation number 2 with Eric Cass. So I am excited guys to have Eric Cass back for a second interview. Eric, I feel like you and I met so long ago at this point I kind of forget how it was that we got connected, but it's great to have some fantastic designers like yourself here in Indianapolis. I'm I'm thinking maybe it was um like an AIGA event or studio tour or something like that
1: yeah I think it could have even been finish line
0: oh <laughs> right could have been could have been finish line days yep. back then yeah I think so it's been uh a few decades
1: ago I feel like
0: back in the day when when I was on the client side and you guys were doing agency work for us yes yeah. was, that was cool stuff um you know, one of the things I remember back from some of the AIGA, um, student events that you spoke at was kind of your collections of ephemera. And, uh, and we talked a lot about that in the last, in the last episode, but, um, it's cool here, just kind of seeing your studio in person and how, how much you've curated the space. And it's very, very intentional, um, You know, I've I've talked to a lot of designers over the years and said, you know, you can tell the designers who have a design profession and the ones who have a design obsession, the ones that they kind of live it. They don't they don't turn it off. And and I think that's that's what's um, that's what's fun about you and your practice. But I'm I'm curious, um, especially since it's been like two years since we last had you on the show, um, like how things have evolved and, and what's new with you.
1: Yeah. Um, well, going back to the, the collection stuff you were talking about, I think, you know, that is the thing is surrounding yourself with inspiration and stuff that, that you love. That's kind of how I feel about it. And it is a lifestyle. It is just something I'm interested in and the things that I collect and that, that stand out to me as being interesting. That's the type of work that I try to do. So things like distill. I'm working with a lot of distilleries now. And when I travel, I've gone to antique stores and things like that. And I have found some like old collections of unused, uh, uh, whiskey labels and things like that that where someone's bought out an, a printer and it's just like old stock that they've had since the 50s and then I photograph that stuff and have it on the uh site just as inspiration and to share with everybody um, but that also helps me when you know someone contacts me um about doing some work and i can you know already show them hey i've already been thinking about this you know i've already been doing research and i understand the history of why these labels look the way they look and the technology that created them and that'll that'll come into play when we create this product to give it a sense of having been around and something that knows its history of where it comes from so you know it's it's fun for me and interesting and i just do it out of habit but it's also very practical and useful when it comes to selling the type of work that i want to do um and I think, you know, that's one thing that I'm always tr- trying to keep going is, is, you know, thinking about the type of work they do and being really intentional about who I'm doing it for and with and, and
0: things like that. So, so I would say there are a lot of young designers and maybe a lot of seasoned designers too out there who are thinking, man, I would love to break into food and beverage or specifically in the spirits industry where you've done a lot of work here recently. What do you think has been? um, kind of the key to, to breaking into that market or to to having some, some more opportunities there?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, um, things just go with momentum a little bit and, you know, catch a break here or there. And I've honestly, uh, years ago I did tons of work, uh, branding creative service type, uh, patrons like photographers, cinematographers, writers, artists, things like that. And a lot of those photographers, um, that I branded maybe, you know, Eight years ago or something have come back and now they're doing something different. So, uh, lion distilling in Maryland is one of those, um, the blonde photographer, Jamie windon she was uh, a photographer I branded years ago. And then she started this distillery. So, you know, she came back to me cause she enjoyed working with me the first time and we put together this brand and they've grown really well. And then, you know, their stuff's got published in books and things like that. And then the newest distillery I'm working with in Houston saw that book and found me. So it's, you know, it's just kind of serendipity a little bit and putting things out there in the universe and having it come back to you. It's not the best business strategy probably from a marketing standpoint, but, um, But yeah it's it's just kind of that and i think at one point too i actually made a decision in my head and said it out loud that i wanted to kind of switch from doing all those kind of creative service type industry people to doing more packaged products so artisanal food and beverage things like that just because you know having something physical and being able to deal with all the materials and i love working in three-dimensional space and creating a package being able to hold it at the end when you're done with all the work so i think just me telling myself that and and i don't know it's it's sort of not very literal it's just kind of like telling the universe hey this is what i want to do now and putting it out there and even just embodying it and thinking it myself and then things just sort of start gaining momentum
0: i am a huge believer in the power of what we say and bring this back to a very real thing this little recording device that we're staring at i just turned to my wife like two weeks ago and said you know what? I need one of those little portable recording doodads, whatever they're called. I don't even know how to use one. And hopefully this all works since we're sort of brand new to this. And it was like five days later, my, my brother's friend calls me up and says, Hey, I'm selling this and I wanted to upgrade to something else. And so it was like, you know, just one of those things that like, I took the time to say yeah. it out loud. And I feel like whatever that is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's definitely something to that. And it's the kind of meant to be
1: thing. If things are meant to be, they sort of happen easily you know and if they're not it's a little more
0: difficult so i think as much of it is like you just hearing yourself say it like you believe it Mm -hmm. in your heart and your head when when your own ears heard your mouth say it yeah there's just something to that
1: yeah and that's one thing i always talk about which we may have touched on last time but just the power of uh even branding and how it affects you internally as well as externally i think people tend to think of branding as how their customers are going to see them but it really does a lot for how you feel about your business and your or your service your product whatever you're doing um, and that's one thing that i finally got to at the end of last year was rebranding uh, my company funnel is something i hadn't been taking care of my own brand i've been doing everyone else giving hopefully really good advice and not taking any of it myself. So I finally carved out some time and redid everything and have new cards and everything. And it, it just feels so good. I feel so much more energetic and excited about what I'm doing. And I know that shows when I talk to people and when I hand out the cards and, you know, I, I just, you know, it's just gets that good energy flowing again, for sure.
0: So I'm glad you brought this up because I absolutely want to want to talk about your new business cards because, you know, nothing makes for great radio, like talking about business cards, but. <laughs> Um, I, I am kind of obsessed with what you did for those, but before we get to the cards, I think so many designers probably get stuck or they get in this, um, paralysis by analysis or whatever you want to call it of like, they just spend forever on their own stuff. And when you and I had a chance to catch up the other day, you were telling me kind of how you viewed your own rebrand. So can you talk a little bit about your approach to this?
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And in, in the past it's, branding myself has been horrible. It's been extremely painful (laughs) and, um, just insanity because it's, it's, you know, I'm too close to it. It's in my head. I've got too many ideas. I want it to be the best thing that's ever been done in the history of the world, essentially. Um, and it's just way overthinking it. And I, I've, that's one thing I've done in all kinds of creative endeavors, whether it's doing a painting or whatever it may be, I've always had struggled with trying to let things flow and and standing back and letting things happen and just guiding them and not trying to overly control it. And uh, you know, I always think of a painting as when I first started painting, they would just kind of turn to mud because I would just overwork it to death and it would just become nothing. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I try to not do that. Um and uh you know in the past when I did the the brand for this my company I've now, you know, ten years ago, it was uh I had a sketchbook filled with Brands that I had done printed out sketched out all kinds of things. I glued them on the sketchbook and it was scary it was you know that that insane moment like from The Shining when she looks through his papers and it's all work No play makes Jack a doll boy. He's been sitting there doing that over and over again for for months. That's the way it, it was it was scary. Like, oh my, what have you been doing? <laughs> why? Um, and so anyway, that, that's one of the reasons why I hadn't kind of worked on it for so long, probably because I was really afraid of it. Um, and it's also one thing when I when someone hires me, that's one thing I talk to them about is you know having them tell me about themselves, about their company, their product, their service, but also saying how valuable it is to have me involved, to have the perspective, to be able to stand back and really see it. Because when it's yours and you're emotionally connected to it, it's, especially, it's really difficult to see it um, objectively, I think. So, uh, this time around, you know, when I rebranded myself, I tried to do that. I tried to think that way, just put my mind in that place where I, I could look at it, stand back from it, separate myself emotionally from it enough to be able to do it. And then also just keep telling myself over and over again, which is, you know, Hey, this isn't the end of the world. It's not permanent. I'm not carving this into stone with a chisel. I mean, you know, if it needs to be redone in a year or in six months or whatever, it can be, it's not the end of the world. So just try to take some of the pressure off and just say, have fun, have it, you know, flow. And and that's something that I have to remind myself on a lot of things when I'm working on stuff is to have fun, to let go that it's not the end of the world. You know, it's, it's, it's something that, um, doesn't need that much pressure that's just built up and, and that's just all in your own mind. It's
0: not really there, you know, so. Did you give yourself like, um, a hard timeline or deadline of when you wanted to have the, the brand redone, or did you just kind of sit down and decide I'm going to work on it till I'm, until I'm happy with it?
1: Yeah, I just, well, one thing is when I really get into something, I get excited to see it finished and I want to get it done. So I really just pushed through quickly and it, it went so much easier. I mean, I really was able to let go to stand back, get some perspective and it just happened very fast. Um, and you know, with things like having my web space, my my website on Squarespace, that makes it so that I could just do it right away too. I can just implement it, which is exciting and and see it kind of happen and be done right away. Um, the thing that's kind of funny about it, I'll tell the story, even though it's embarrassing, uh, is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did this whole thing. I'd shown it to some you know old trusted friends. Like I didn't want to show it to a ton of people. I just wanted to make sure, just give some, say, hey, what do you think? Give me a little feedback, um, and. So over the course of maybe a month of creating the brand and doing the website and doing all my forms and doing stationery and business cards and getting everything all done, um, you know other people had looked at it. I'd looked at it over and over and over again. Um, and then I got some business cards printed some lower cost business cards that are still nice but got you know a few hundred of those. Um, actually I printed them twice, I printed like 50 and then I got 200 and then I got some cards done that were very expensive and a very in depth process, which maybe we'll talk about in a minute, but, uh, and I was really excited about them. I hadn't gotten them yet. They were, you know, being finished up. I was going to get them any day, went out to dinner with some people, was so proud to hand out my card. Like I was saying, it feels so good. And the person across the table looked, uh, very scared (laughs) And, and was like, don't be mad at me, but do you want me to tell you if there's stuff wrong on here? And I was like, yes, oh, please. Oh, no. Um, so basically, uh, you know, in my company, what I do, I call it commercial art, so it's funnel commercial art. And they're like, you spelled commercial wrong. So just two letters were transposed um, <laughs> that no one had seen for mo- a month of looking at it and staring at it and reading it, supposedly. Um, and, uh, it was embarrassing and a pain, but I was so glad they mentioned it. And then I had to go back and redo everything. And I, I actually came back that night and redid everything I could do, you know, immediately, but it was just, it was sort of a funny moment of like, I was so proud and i had been working so hard on it, but I think that happens sometimes when you just, you know, you stop seeing it or stop reading it. At least I was just looking at it visually, but, uh, but it all worked out. It was, it wasn't the end of the world. So even that it wasn't the end of the world, it was, it was embarrassing and kind of stupid, but it's okay.
0: It's amazing what having another set of eyes on something, even like three or four extra sets of eyes. I remember in an identity system that um, we worked on like in 2004 and it was one of the larger ones we had done at the time, you know, with all the the printing and letterhead and everything and every piece that had an address on it said Indian and Annapolis, (laughs) every one of them. So we had to scrap a whole bunch of offset printed stuff and, and do it again. So I can, I can definitely feel your, yeah.
1: I mean, and that's the thing too, right? Cause you do it once and then you just copy and paste it on everything. So if you make a, a goofy mistake, it's like on everything. And my problem was I had a bunch of other designers looking at it instead of somebody looking at it from a different perspective (laughs) instead of
0: people who could spell
1: yeah a writer ended up looking at it and saw it you know and actually read it i mean that was the thing that was too is like oh no one's been reading this apparently you know (laughs) they're looking at how pretty it was but
0: not not catching the typos i
1: actually thought for a minute like maybe i could just leave it and just start using them and then make it a contest like if anybody sees finds anything wrong and any of the new branding they win a prize or something and make it seem intentional like it was a game or something but get a
0: starbucks gift card if you spot the the mistake (laughs) All right. So, um, we've been, been teasing this enough. We need to talk about this business card and how this thing came to be.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've always been a big believer in that first impression when you meet somebody to make a statement and to do something that really shows how serious you are about what you do, how, you know, passionate you are. And, how insane you are maybe even in trying new things and doing something different. Because I feel like, you know, a lot of design, you know, when you talk about communication, it's you have to stop people first to be able to deliver the message and actually communicate to them. So I really like things that kind of make people take pause and really, you know, give them some information, but also make them think and wanna go like, why did you do this? What is this? How did you do this? Like those questions to me sort of flip the script around of me trying to sell them on something um, you know, I don't have to give them a sales pitch cause they're asking me all these questions. So it just becomes a conversation, which is a lot less threatening and doesn't yeah seem like yeah, sales. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, years ago when I had this other company, uh, I did several different metal cards back then and they were very well received people, you know, were always like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, not only would it start that conversation, but then they would keep those. And I, you know they wouldn't throw them away. They would have them. And what happened was like, uh, so that was like years ago, maybe 10, over 10 years ago. And, uh, recently a friend, um, of mine that's a more recent friend had one of those and pulled it out. And it was kind of like, it was like a challenge to me a little bit it's like oh man those were cool like why don't I have a cool card now I I mean I had a letterpress card but I'd had it for too long and it didn't really match the stuff my website anymore and it was just lazy and you know being scared like we were talking about before but so it was like oh I have to treat myself right you know treat my brand right I want to do something again that I'm proud of and so um you know originally when I did the metal cards not many people were doing them so I'd found this place in minnesota that actually made uh tags that go on machinery and mm-hmm. so they were able to you know press metal and and do type and print on metal um and it actually now if you go to their website they actually have a section for business cards because it drove enough you know just even doing it's these like cards,
0: actually a thing now yeah yeah <laughs> they, it's
1: a service that they you know a product they offer um but uh, i did a little more research because this you know again over 10 years ago a lot's changed technology since then so i did a little research and found a company uh, now that does them that um, can do them fairly affordably and has a lot of different options for finishes and um, cut shapes and uh, they they do chemical etching and laser engraving as well as silkscreen. so there's just a lot of options Um, and i was really excited about that so that really opened it up to for me to be able to go, oh, I can make this whatever I want. And I'd actually got some pricing on doing a paper card with foil stamping and die cutting. And realistically, I think that would have cost more than these metal cards, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. um, And yeah, it's just, again, it's something really fun. It really stops people and, you know, starts a conversation and is hopefully memorable. And I think the other part of that too—that's the in-person effect of it. The other mm-hmm. thing is, I once I got them done, I shot nice photos of them and I posted them, and and that's the thing too—is getting some traction in social media from doing something that's really unique and different. Um, so I think that's all goes into my thinking when I think about the cost of it and the investment in it—is it's well worth it.
0: Yeah, there's a social media guy named Jay Bear. Not sure if you're familiar with him, but one of the things he's best at is enunciating (laughs) and he says you have to market your marketing. (laughs) And I, I think that is just like for designers, there's no more important thing that if you're going to make some really cool stuff for yourself, like you got to get it out there. And Mm -hmm. especially something like a business card, you know, get it beyond just the people who you shake hands with. And yeah, maybe, um, just for a visual, maybe we can, post uh, a link to Instagram or wherever you've got these, these cards photographed, but just for the listeners, can you describe a little bit of what this, what this metal card is and why it's so mind blowing?
1: Um, well it's gold. And so that makes a statement right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not actual gold, but it looks, looks like it could be. Um, and it's, uh, in, in an interesting shape that, you know, I, I've done all kinds of cards over the years. It's sort of a thing that maybe, uh, my work is known for. I mean, when I look back at my portfolio, so I've done all types of materials, all types of printing processes, all types of shapes, just, you know, trying to be as creative as possible, um, and consistent with the story and the brand, but just trying to do really innovative, different things. So, You know, when I did this one, I had to think about that, too. Like, what can I do that I haven't done before um, and try something different? And I ended up just kind of, again, like we were talking before, letting go, trying to be free. I had in my I had the logo done. I had, you know, the typefaces and all that. But When it came to the card, I just wanted to kind of roll with it and go. And I kind of just created the shape that I thought would feel good in the hand and when you hand it to somebody and then it also to me feels like I, I kept thinking about should I make like a little package somehow should I make something that pops up that is dimensional that kind of ties back to this idea that I want to do packaging and I decided that might be a little hokey um so I just made it this shape that kind of feels like a, a th- a, it's two-dimensional but it feels like a three-dimensional box when you draw one a little bit it like references mm-hmm. that a little yeah. bit not too literal but I think it feel to me it feels like that um and then you know it has some parts that are just engraved and other parts that are you know printed in black silk screen and that way there's sort of this uh hierarchy created with that and Um, it's very fragmented, the layout and the type. And I always like to do again, like two dimensional work that feels like it's in motion and that's moving. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've been thinking a lot lately about this whole internet and all this information that's flying around everywhere. So I kind of wanted to make the layout and the type feel that way. Like just all of this sort of information whizzing by, um, and even put some information in there that's probably not really necessary. It's not necessary, but it's there. And and that's some of the like lower level information that kind of sits, it's recedes and some other information that's more pertinent kind of comes to the forefront. Um, and then, uh, I put uh, a pattern of holes in the card all the way through. And you know, that came from this idea of the card that I had previously was letterpress printed one side only. And, I liked it, but I wanted to make it more interesting. So I found this paper punch that was an eighth of an inch diameter, which is smaller than a typical paper punch. So it's a small Mm -hmm. hole. And I would would just just... take a stack of business cards and I would punch them randomly and let it punch through the type or whatever. It didn't matter. Just I would punch them from the back and maybe, you know, eight or ten holes. And um, I really liked it because, again, it was this kind of freedom of just doing it randomly. But when I would hand them out, people would always, that would be the thing that would stop them. And they would hold it up and look through it and say, what does this mean? Or they would just, you know, say (laughs) it's, you know, what it meant to them, you know? And to me, that's like, great. It's that really, it's that engaging part of not figuring everything out, you know? And again, my phone number was on there, my, you know, website, all that. And that's very to the point that's there and that's what it is. But then this part becomes something that people can kind of just play with and guess at and, and really become immersed in the design more. So I I like doing that. I like doing things where you tell somebody something, but then you leave the door open and kind of leave a void there for them to put in their own, feelings and thoughts and what they think it may be so when it came to this card they weren't going to be random because they were going to be in every card exactly the same way so i tried to think what i could do that actually did mean something to me and so i did um the leo constellation because i'm a leo and we're all Ah. yeah yeah and leos i don't know if you know anything about that we're kind of all about ourselves so yeah it works perfectly so (laughs) um uh yeah. But, that, but it doesn't have to mean that. So if someone else can look at it it can mean what they want it to mean, but you know, yeah. anyway, but it, it was
0: just kind of cool to be able to do that. And, uh, yeah. So I've had this thing in my possession for like all of two weeks and it went on my shelf and Um, somebody was over in my, in my studio and looked at it and thought it was like a spirograph or like, they're like, Oh, can you like draw with it? Is it shapes? And like, they, they wanted the holes to be functional. And you could do that.
1: That's awesome. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what's amazing. I love that. I, it's funny, the other card that I had, the previous old one with the holes, the, the one time that was really vivid to me that stands out is, um, one of my old professors from college did this book. Um, all about Massimo Vignelli, the famous uh, modernist designer who's passed away now. But, uh, at the book launch, I went there and met him and I, I'm not a, I'm not that big about getting autographs, but kind of design nerd. Like I was like, I'm going to get his autograph. So I I had gotten Paul Rand's autograph at art director's club years ago. And so I was like, Oh, I need to get uh, his to kind of go with that. And so I, you know and i don't I know how much you know about his work but it's all very minimal very yeah, modern right. very clean um and my card was not my card was grungy and letter pressed and had some old stuff anyway it was the opposite of what he would like so i was kind of worried about giving it to him and first thing he did was like oh what is this is This letterpress i'm like yeah so that that was cool and then he flipped it over to where the holes were and the, the the back was blank and he signed it but then he drew around all the little holes like little lines he was just having fun and being playful and drawing on it and I thought this is amazing. See? I mean even that is like he plugged right into it and had fun with it. He didn't I thought I was gonna yell at, basically like, hey, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like it's yeah, a critique. Do things like this that are random and weird. Like keep it clean and simple. But uh it was very <laughs> engaging and it was an awesome experience. So yeah,
0: yeah. That is awesome. Um maybe switch gears a little bit. So you've had different teams, different sizes that you've worked with in the past. Um, So what's the, what's the studio structure like today? Are you collaborating with many people outside of your four walls? Are you doing all the work yourself these days? What's, what's that typically look like?
1: Yeah, right now it's, um, just me, but again, putting that out in the, in the universe, like we were talking about when I was doing the rebrand, that was one thing this year I really wanted to do is try to engage with people in kind of new ways and, and kind of old ways too. So, uh, you know, living here and working in Indianapolis, you know, all these years, I I haven't done much work here in the last 10 years or whatever. It's everywhere else except here. So that's been one of my, you know, things that I've wanted to do this year is to, um, engage more, get out. You know, I kind of end up being a hermit and just being in the computer working and doing all this long distance work. And it's, kind of crazy a little bit um and i have to kind of force myself to get out there so hopefully this year it's been more of you know calling up old friends and like yourself and saying hey let's have coffee let's go talk what are you up to you know just hearing more stories about what people are doing and i always find too if i can tell somebody else about either what my plans are my thoughts or my struggles it's really helpful just to get it out and to get some good you know, advice and direction on things. And so I'm really trying to be more collaborative in that sense. Um, and, you know, get more involved in the local community, do more work here. And then, you know, also just be open, you know, to, to whatever situation comes up. And I've actually just been verbalizing that to people. Like, you know, when I have people contact me and, you know, maybe we're talking about how we're going to work together, I'll just throw that out there. Like, Hey, this is what we're talking about right now. That's right in front of us. But just so you know, I'm really flexible. It's fluid. I'm open. I'm, I'm looking for new opportunities this year. You know, so I don't have a huge plan other than just trying to engage more and trying to be more open and trying to not just hide away and get busy and, and have the year fly by and just look up from the mm-hmm. computer after 12 months, you know? Um,
0: so yeah, that's, what's going on, I guess. So one of the things you touched on very briefly was like, you know, when you're frustrated or get stuck, like what, what's kind of your, your go-to thing or your, your, your mode of either working through that or getting out of that or kind of dealing with frustration
1: yeah i think one thing for me is i like to to if i do hit a wall and i'm struggling and i'm not getting anywhere i like to just change gears i like to get up and go do something else um, work on something else you know listen to something different you know music wise or you know, uh, just go for a walk, do something totally different, just kind of change mindset. And then, you know, maybe, you know, hopefully time permitting, let it sit for a couple of days and then come back and see it fresh. I think that really helps me a lot on things like that. It's just cause I do fall into that trap again of overthinking things. So if I do kind of get hit a wall and I'm struggling a bit, sometimes it'll just keep spiraling, you know, out of control to where it's not helpful. Um, and also sometimes, you know, it's really busy or whatever, and I feel kind of guilty about not working, but I think I have to remind myself sometimes if I go for a walk, I might see something, you know, inspirational that'll help me and where I might just clear my head of everything, all the clutter so that I can come back and I'll be more productive, even though I'm taking this break and not actually sitting there moving a mouse and clicking around on things and making, making something I'm, I'm going to be more efficient once I do sit back down. If I give myself that ab- ability to go do something else for a while.
0: So this, um, really great book that I picked up uh, a week or two ago, uh, by Daniel Pink is called when, and it's all about the science of when you're supposed to do stuff based on like when you go to sleep and when you wake up, are you a morning person or you a night owl? Are you somewhere in between? And, yeah. um, so this is, this is top of mind for me. I'm, I'm about halfway through the book, so I don't know that I know the punchlines of the book yet, other than it's been interesting so far. So I'm curious with you. I know a lot of creatives, um, tend to be the extreme, either they're totally the night owls and they're burning the candle on both ends or they're, you know, up early and kind of knock it out. Do you you kind of time box when you, um, maybe either do your best work or when do you typically kind of do more creative things during the day?
1: Probably, I'm not a morning morning person. I try to get up and, I mean, I try to have the, the same hours every day, like treat mm-hmm. it, even though I could do whatever and have whatever schedule. I try to keep it structured enough so that I, I am, you know, getting things done. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say it used to be at night, um, but... I don't think that that's true anymore. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of shifted for me over the years. I used to stay up all night, yeah, and do the best work because it would be quiet, it would be dark, there would be no you know interruptions or anything like that, and it was always really, really a good time to focus. But um, lately, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a good question. I think I should work on that and figure that out. And I, that's one of the other things for this year that I have been thinking about when it comes to time, and not necessarily when's the most creative time, but but how do I break up my week even? Like, should I take um, cause I feel like overwhelmed a lot, right? So when it's, I'm, it's just me and there's so much to do and, and that's the thing is I feel like I get spread thin a lot where mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything very good because everything's just pulling at me from every direction. So I thought, well, what if I took a day? you know, every day of of every week and did all the bookkeeping and business stuff on that day. And then took another day in the week and did social media stuff and updating and that kind of things, or half a day or whatever it may be. Um, or even just go to a coffee shop and sit there and plan and do some planning a certain time every day. And maybe having that kind of structure and getting in, having, you know, building those good habits and giving time enough time for them to really, uh, you know, get to where they need to go. You know, I, I, haven't tried it yet totally, but I'm talking about it and hopefully working on it and going to be trying it a little more. I don't know if you've done that or tried that or at all, but, um, I, have heard other people talk about it and it seems to be a good idea,
0: but yeah. And so one of my, um, next questions for you is going to be how you spend a typical day. So, um, that's, that's a good segue, but there's a, there's this guy at my gym. That um, I jokingly refer to as the mayor because he's he's just always there in the morning. He's always there at the same times. And it just occurred to me like last week that, um, you know, this is probably more personal information about this guy than than I need to share. But like, <laughs> like he brings his clothes to the gym and he's, you know, showering there and getting ready for work and presumably goes straight to work. So I was like, man, this guy probably plans out every night before what he's going to wear and he shows up at the gym every time the same day. And then, you know, every day he's in town, he's working out the same hours and then he goes into the office. And like, I bet his whole day is just programmed like that. And, um, yeah, I, I aspire to be that, (laughs) that regimented. I'm, I'm pretty consistent with like which days are workout days and which aren't. And some days I just hit the snooze button some more. So I'm, I'm maybe not quite as strict as, as this guy, but, um, but, so given that you don't have things kind of compartmentalize, what, what might a typical day look like for you?
1: Well, it's usually, uh, just getting up and making a ton of coffee first, <laughs> um, getting that going and then, you know, digging through some emails and trying not to get too caught up in that. Cause I have read and heard things about that of like, it's kind of an awful idea to start your day with emails, but that's usually where I start just sort of seeing what's going on and responding to some things. And yeah, kind of, too. it just like, seems like a way to ease into the day a bit for me. But, um, and then a lot of times it's like that too. I try to think of something I can just get knocked out. That's maybe something that's a little bit more, um, where I don't have to think quite so much where it's just kind of, you know, uh, putting something together, preparing some files or something, just getting something done that needs to happen. That's kind of not that interesting, sort of boring, just kind of, um, work and you know do that while while my brain wakes up with the coffee and gets going and then and then try to get into some more high level thinking stuff and creative stuff um yeah i don't know it's it's and it's kind of putting out fires you know it just kind of depends every day is a little different and and that's the thing too is some days i'm really feeling it and i'm like oh and i'm on it i'm in it i'm making stuff it's making sense and then other days like we were talking about before if something's it just doesn't feel right. The day just doesn't feel good. I don't feel like I'm going to be able to do anything. So I try to take care of all the stuff that isn't creative. And then that's when I will go to like uh, society of salvage or a vintage store an <laughs> antique store and just sort of explore and look around and, and you know, allow myself to, to get back into a, a mode where things are getting exciting and interesting and start thinking of ideas. Um, but I do like this idea, which I feel like we're kind of touching on this idea of having some structure Um, I always, I always think of kind of old jazz music. I think of, you know, the structure of the music and the notes and there is, Mm -hmm. um, something you have to work within, but then you can also go free form and be spontaneous and improvise. And so I always think of that balance a lot when it comes to any of this is like, what things are the structure that kind of provides the, the skeleton for everything else that's just there, that's solid. And then Um, you know, you can be more free with everything else. And so even all the way down to like thinking about, wouldn't it be great to just wear the same thing every day? Kind of like a Steve jobs (laughs) things where I don't have to use my brain power or creative power to think about like, should I wear this shirt or that shirt? Um, you know, I think it'd be fun. I think it's fun to experiment with those things, those kind of ways of working and just seeing what works and what doesn't and what things like free your mind up for other things. Um,
0: yeah. Nice. I love that. The, uh, you know, having, having one less decision to make during the day.
1: Yeah. Cause I think it can fall into some of it as being, I don't know, it could be bad if you overdo everything, maybe where you just have it so planned out that you're just doing the same thing every day. And, you know, I mean, that sounds kind of horrible and, uh, yeah, not very, fertile ground for creativity either. But so I think it's just that balance again, the harmony of having some things like that, where it's the structure and the things you don't have to think about. And then having these again, voids or spaces where you just get to be free and really use all that energy to go, to go there. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. There might even be, I mean, not taking this to the extreme, but if, if you knew that between nine and 11 every day, that's when you were going to do your most creative work, you know, that kind of like freeze you up to not have to stress about all the rest of the day or prior yeah. in the morning and so you just kind of have that that set aside. Um you touched on something a minute ago and I'm I'm glad I remembered to bring it up but um you had posted and I want to say it was maybe Facebook or Instagram or something all of these vintage signs. Was that Cincinnati?
1: Yeah, and that was a that was a trip in the middle of the week uh last week where it was like, you know, let's just get out of town, let's reset. Um, and Cincinnati's, you know, hundred miles from here, which I, I feel like it's really close and doesn't, I don't think we think of it as being that closely sided, right. I guess. Yeah,
0: it feels like it's further away. For yeah,
1: sure. but it's like super close and it's a really cool, interesting city that has so much history. Um, and, uh, you know, went there just overnight during the week and got an Airbnb that was really awesome in this, uh, over the Rhine area by downtown, a really old, cool neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Um and it's really cool and that's the thing is even going there it's like getting away taking break from work but you know again the the designer's mind like mine that's living it and it's not a job I'm always thinking about it. so you go there and it's like oh this is really awesome this this these this house I'm staying in was built probably in like the 1890s or something mm-hmm. and they've just redone it and it's all new and it has all this modern technology it's beautiful and they left these old fireplace facades and it's really awesome and then a park across the street and a beautiful old music center and then a really modern trolley electric trolley comes by and it's like oh that's amazing i wish we had those here in indy that's really cool and it takes you through the whole city and then you know just walking to bars and restaurants right around the corner and you know again seeing uh, you know working with distilleries obviously part of that is doing research and having a cocktail or two once in a while. So, uh, <laughs> research, about, yeah. that's what it's called. Yep. That was fun. And then they have a really awesome, uh, contemporary art museum. That's beautiful with really great stuff. And I hadn't been there for years. That was amazing. It's free, totally cool. Um, really inspiring, you know, I mean, for me going to a museum is always part Zen and part just like, it gets so revved up with everything and all the ideas that it's, you know, it's just makes me want to make stuff, you know, <laughs> and like all kinds of stuff. Um, And, uh, it it was really awesome. And then I had forgotten, but there's a, uh, a sign museum in Cincinnati, um, that I'd seen years ago and really wanted to go to Mm -hmm. and had forgotten about. And so... Uh, ended up going there and it's insane it's beautiful they actually repair old signs there um, the neon and everything and they have a workshop you can just walk in there and and see what they're doing and how they're doing it and the museum was all you know set up beautifully with all the signs working and moving and just every kind of sign I mean a big actual McDonald's sign and they had like a main street set up with all the signage and it was like design nerd overload I mean it was I was just taking pictures (laughs) and whatever and it was like I mean they have a whole side of a barn in there of like the you know see uh lookout mountain rock city and 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 the mail pouch uh, tobacco when they have the whole wall in this place it's and and it's really awesome because a lot of those signs you know even in my lifetime there used to be a lot more of them and they've been you know going away obviously because they're falling apart and getting torn down and stuff and this place is awesome because they're keeping that history alive and Mm -hmm. um it's really really cool and i highly recommend it for for anybody to go there even if you're not a designer i mean it's just cool kind of memorabilia and vintage stuff and, you know, sentimental things probably. Um, but it's, it's really awesome. And also I so happen to be working on a project now with a developer that's going to involve neon signs. So there again, like it was cool and fun, but it was also really helpful to see that and be able to understand more about what I'm going to be designing and working on. So it, it gave perfect inspiration for that. So there again, it just kind of like everything sort of, sort of comes together.
0: You know, we talked about. Um, I think we talked about Charles S. Anderson a little bit in our last conversation, and we've, you know, brought up Massimo Vignelli and Paul Rand. Um, obviously, some amazing uh, designers from um, from the recent past. But um, are there any designers that that you kind of have your eye on, or any groups, or whether it's a, a company or individual that that you're really into right now? Yeah, there's a whole bunch.
1: I mean, it's really interesting now because, uh, I think back when I started doing this company and working as an individual, that's, uh, you know, just being one person but having more of a full service design firm, you know, being able to do larger projects and, and branding systems and things like that was somewhat unique, you know, it's mostly teams of people who do that usually. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think that's not the case anymore. I mean, now when I look out there on Instagram, even or anything, there's like tons of people everywhere around the country, around the world, doing that, doing really awesome, beautiful work and and scale work, big scale of work um, as individuals, and it's amazing. There's I can't even. It's not even like back in the day when you could say, oh, I like that person and this company and whatever. It's just a ton of people. It's it's really amazing and really frustrating too, because it's it kind of, pisses me. I'm like, ah, I wish I would have done that. That's so awesome and, and amazing. And it's, it's hard for me sometimes too, because sometimes when I see that, I'm just like, oh, why, why should I bother? You know, it's like, they're already doing it. It's amazing. Um, so I think a little bit of that, some people can look at other designers and other design work and be really inspired and make themselves better. I sort of just get really frustrated and think that like, why should I even do this? That's already really great. Yeah. Or I just want to copy it or even maybe like not even know I'm copying it, but it'll come out later on. So I have to be really careful that I have to just take a peek at it and then look away and try to, you know, go somewhere else in my head and, uh, to, to be original and and to do, you know, my, my stuff and not somebody else's stuff. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. And it used to be going to the bookstore. I could like avoid it pretty easily. I just wouldn't go to the design Mm -hmm. book section, but now it's like in your face every day when you open the internet. So but it's amazing and awesome. And yeah, I don't know. It's a ton of people doing really great stuff.
0: Well, I think you do some really great stuff yourself, but, um, and a lot of people may look at your collection of spirits design and whatnot and think, man, those are dream projects. But I'm curious if you have like other big dream projects that you haven't had a chance to take a stab at yet that you're just like, Chomping at the bit to get after.
1: I don't know that there's anything specific. I think it's a little more gradual than that. I guess like mm-hmm. like these ones that are food and beverage things have, have been awesome, and I love that when it goes beyond the the identity and the packaging and into the space design and into the signage and things like that. And you know, this year again too, there's been a lot more people that kind of have those types of restaurants and distilleries and things like that, and then also you know other kind of development people with other sort of uh redevelopment things going on with buildings and i feel like people are kind of inviting me in more to to be a part of that whole process and that's like really awesome because for me doing branding isn't about doing a logo or even a bottle it's about creating an experience for people and you know connecting with people intellectually and emotionally and the deeper and more immersive that experience can be, the more fun it is and the more interesting it is and the better story you can tell. So for me, I really love that when I can be involved in the wide variety of aspects of where people are gonna interact with the brand, everywhere from like creating the music to the smell in a place, you know, to every little like detail and how that affects how people feel about it. And I guess that's the thing is, I really would like to get back to that of having my own space as, as a gallery or a store um, where I can do all that, where I can really play with that and try things. And I think there may be some potential for that hopefully coming up. We'll see. I don't know. But, um, but again, I just, I really love that because I love being able to try that stuff and see how it affects people on that bigger scale and not just in the, in the
0: graphic design, but in the whole experience of the space. So you've mentioned music enough times now that I, that I have to ask. So I'm curious if you have like a, like a go-to genre or artist that you like listening to when you're you know in the zone and trying to get work done or are you like a working in silence kind of guy
1: <laughs> no there's always sound on silence i think if there's silence that that's that thing that's really dangerous for me because then it gives my mind time to like overthink everything like we were talking about and kind of <laughs> yeah. Just kind of go in a, like a circle. Uh, so there's always sound, there's always music and it really depends on the mood. It's, it's really a lot about that. And it's about whether there needs to be something that is more calming and soothing or something more aggressive and, you know, uh, getting the energy flowing. And a lot of times even I'll think about it in terms like I was just talking about a little bit of of like whatever I'm working on, like what music is appropriate to that brand and that story that I'm trying to create. And for me, you know, like I was saying before too, when I see other design work, it's hard for me to really get great inspiration. It can be a challenge to me to make my work better and give me some thoughts, but it's, I really have to separate from that. But music isn't like that. Cause I'm not making music. I'm hopefully making music with design, you know, but so no, it's, it's enough of a, it's, it's a similar creative process and thing, but it's different enough to where I could actually utilize it better. So a lot of times I tend to think of the music being the real inspiration for some design work. Um, so it is a matter of just kind of picking the right thing for whatever the story is that I'm trying to tell. Um, and then I've really gotten into like all different types of music as far as like, you know, I had a huge CD collection originally like years ago, kind of had put that away for a while and just had everything in MP3s and iTunes Mm -hmm. and then Spotify came around and then that was kind of awesome for a minute. And then it was like too overwhelming and not special enough because it's just too, too easy and too much sort of. And then, uh, now it's like been doing a lot with vinyl where it's back to really slowing down, thinking about the experience, knowing that, you know, maybe I've got a piece of artwork in my hands too, that there's only 500 of in the world or something, even though the music is everywhere, this one particular physical piece is limited. So it's kind of like buying an art print or something, and then also the yeah. music, which is awesome. Um, and just again, being really thoughtful and slowing down and thinking about it and, um, and then, you know, now I have pulled the CDs out again and now they're retro and kind of cool and fun to listen to, <laughs> uh, which is kind of weird. But, and they all kind of sound, they do sound different. They all, every yeah. you know, and there's a place for each of them too. I mean, that's the thing is a lot of times people get want to fight over this stuff, but it's like,
0: I don't know, there's, there's different times for different things. It's all okay. <laughs> it can all coexist. I think that's awesome. I was definitely, um, you know, in, in design school in the mid nineties. So like Everybody thought they were going to graduate and do CD jackets, and thought they were <laughs> going to design for bands. And turns out, Indianapolis was not the hotbed for CD jacket design. But um, that was definitely one of the things that had me inspired um, to consider graphic design as a as like a real career. Like, oh, these are like commercial products and pieces that people pay money for yeah. and have jobs to do this stuff. So.
1: Yeah. And it's great. That idea of extending the music, the telling the story through the, through the physical piece. And and Mm -hmm. that's, what's awesome about like vinyl coming back is, and that was never that big of a thing of like, I remember the argument originally with CDs was, Oh, now it's like the artwork is like way smaller. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's true. But I mean, you can still with a CD, I've got a lot of CDs that are really cool packaging and really different and stuff, but it is really nice now going back to the larger format. And then also just what you can do with the vinyl. I mean, people are, you know it's really cool right now because people are doing so much really interesting neat stuff with with that and when it when it's kind of smaller people that you know maybe aren't as musicians they're extremely talented but they're not making it huge they making tons of money it's really awesome to go buy the record and feel like you're contributing to their art like you're mm-hmm. actually hopefully helping them and providing you know money to to keep them going and you know go out to the shows do all that stuff too but you know buying that extra special record they put out and you know it's it's just yeah it's cool to have that physical piece as well and you know i you get some now that are like signed and stuff too so it is it's just like artwork it's like an artist signing this piece and giving you that
0: along with the sounds it's 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 pretty special and and pretty cool so so maybe the answer is going to be vinyl but um You know, one of my favorite questions to ask our guests is, um, what do you think you are most obsessed with right now? Yeah. Um, there's so many things, I don't know. I tend to do everything (laughs) obsessively, (laughs) which Um, is why this is such a perfect question for
1: you. (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess, and and things do kind of come to the top of the obsessive list from time to time. And yeah, it has, it, it, it did kind of become vinyl for a bit. Um, of uh, just, you know, collecting and getting the special ones and like researching and really getting deep into it, like super nerdy about it. And it's been really fun. And like I said, again, it's like been nice to slow down and really think more about the music, not just enjoy the music, but really learn about it and learn where the people were coming from and, you know, their history and, and all that kind of stuff, which I always kind of do that, but it's mostly been just Googling things like, oh, that sounds good. Let me Google them and see about them. But this has been like a nice way to engage with artists in a, in a different way more physical way. So that's been good. I think, you know, I think maybe that's probably, yeah, you're probably right. That probably is the most obsessed I've been lately. I mean, I'm always obsessed about collecting things like we've been talking about and photographing old signage and collecting inspiration and things like that. That's definitely always kind of happening, but,
0: uh, yeah. So we have a, a wide variety of people who listen to this show and I think we have a lot of young designers as well. So if you think about you know, designers you've collaborated in the past or worked for you in the past. Um, what's maybe your favorite piece of advice to pass along to younger designers, or maybe your favorite piece of advice that you've ever received? I think
1: the idea of, uh, you know, like we were talking about originally, I think doing things that you love and that you're interested in, you know, and and maybe you don't know what that is. So, You know, I think that's something where you have to kind of find yourself and find out. I mean, I'm sure, you know, like, I like this, I don't like this, but there's, there's so much out there and so many things to learn. So I think going out and engaging as much as possible with people and just asking questions and especially with designers and advertising companies and things like that, people are really receptive to that. If you just call and say, Hey, I'm super interested. Love to come by and meet you, see what you've got going on. I mean, I think. You know, that way you just discover so many things. And a lot of times it's discovering what you don't like as much as what you do like. So even if you do get a job or have a job where maybe you're not happy and you're just kind of like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. That's fine. But just also know you're really learning valuable things still. And part of that is just learning what you don't like, you know, that really helps shape what you do like. So I think, cause sometimes people get kind of down and depressed. I feel like when I've talked to people and I try to say, no, don't do that at all. Just you'll make a change, you can make a change. And this is actually helping you. This will be the push you need to get you moving in the right direction. So I think looking at it that way is really, really helpful. Um, And I think, you know, to me, I don't know, I just always like learning stuff and trying new things and I get bored if things stay the same all the time. And I I think that's really helpful, um, just to be inquisitive and, and open and wanting to know things. And being excited and it helps if it's something you love and that's because you're not going to be that way if you're doing something that you're not very interested in. And I feel like it's hard to do good work that way if you're not really like invested in something. I mean, you can maybe get it done and do it and it'll be okay or whatever, but I just feel like it's so much better and the work is so much better when you actually really care about it. Um, And for me, that's the thing that's awesome is the type of work that I do, the people that hire me, my patrons, I really care about them. I care about what they do. I care about their product or their service. Um, I care about them as just people, you know, the relationship is super important and that makes it so much better and so much more rewarding. And I love, I just love helping them with that, like getting their, their stuff out there, making their dream tangible. And, um, it's really rewarding and it it becomes about something way bigger than design, you know, and the design part's fun and awesome, you know, but it's so much more about that relationship and that human connection kind of thing. So... Um, Is that
0: kind of the barrier to entry for you that if, if somebody hits you up to do work, that it's something that you have to care about or you find that you have to at least find a thread of interest in their story or something to, to do work together.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's like, it's all about the relationship and most of the people that hire me, uh, are all of them actually, they're very passionate about what they're doing the same way I'm passionate about what I do. And that's, to me what it needs to be. You know, if someone comes to me and they're, you know, not genuine or they're not excited or they're trying to be shady or something, I mean, that's not going to work. You know, I, I, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. I don't know what to do for that. And usually you can tell like immediately. And it, it is that thing of just, do you get along with somebody? Do you, you know, uh, see things in a, in enough of the same way to have this relationship? It's very similar to a personal relationship. I think, I mean, that's just the way I've always thought of it. Um, is not really it's the same way it's just like do we like similar things are we moving in a same general direction you know and obviously we're bringing different things to the table and different experiences and different expertise levels on on different parts but it's just like, oh, we both want the same thing. We're both going after the same thing. And yeah. and to me, that's the really collaborative part about it too, is, you know, hopefully I always want people to trust me and let me do what I do. Because again, I'm the one nerding out and finding all this old stuff and taking all these old photos and just like being around that all the time. And it's a, it's a great chance for me to actually utilize that and put it into the work. And then it's awesome for them too, of everything they've been about with whatever they're creating to bring that to the table. It just makes for great stuff. And that's the thing is, None of my work, my portfolio, anything I've ever done—it's all about the p- people around that I've worked with, either in the company or it's the the patrons that have brought the work. I mean, it's inspired by them; it's for them. I mean, and that's why I always talked about them being patrons and it being a commission. That's the way I think of it. I mean, it's it wouldn't happen otherwise. You know, it, I couldn't do it, um, and I couldn't just do it for myself either very well because, again, we already talked about how that's difficult. So it's nice to have that where someone's bringing it to you and saying, "Here." Take this thing that I love, that I've been dreaming about forever and make it real. Um, work with me to bring this thing to life. I mean, it's amazing. It's awesome. And I, I'm so appreciative. And that's one thing this year. Another thing I've been trying to do is be more uh, appreciative, even like tell people more. I mean, I always think it and I always tell people, but this year I actually finally printed postcards. I spent 10 and a half hours uh, cleaning up my mailing list, getting addresses, <laughs> signing everything. And, you know, cause I always tell people you should do this. Hey, send someone a card. It's like, it'll really stand out nowadays because everything's email and it'll be yeah. amazing. Print it and get it printed beautifully and send it out you'll it'll make someone's day and again i never take my own advice so finally i did um and it's been amazing it it feels good and it feels good to just tell people thank you it's not and it's it is marketing because it's like a cool card hopefully and people see it and they remember me and i have had a few people say hey you know we need to i need i've been meaning to talk to you or i have something coming up and so it's good for business but it's really more about just being thankful and and letting people know and just having good energy again out there and it Yeah. It's really awesome. It's worth the time and the effort and the money to do it for sure. And maybe, maybe the next step would be to actually do a marketing piece that actually is trying to sell something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually fantastic advice and maybe, maybe a good point for us to end on. So Eric, it's been great catching up with you. I'm glad we were able to actually do this in person since we like live a few minutes away from each other. Um, Before we let you go, um, maybe let our listeners know where they can find you online and and follow more of your, um, photographic obsessions.
1: Yeah. Well, if you go to uh, funnel.tv, F U N N E L.tv, you can get to everything pretty much from there. There's all the social media links there. There's a link to ephemerotica, my site with all the vintage photos. I'm hoping to add a lot more photos that I've got a stockpile of stuff, uh, that's waiting for me to photograph and get up there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think there's access there to everything. It's kind of the portal to all things funnel. So go there, enjoy, send me some feedback. I'd love to hear from you again, just, you know, new relationships, new engagements and, and get some thoughts or whatever you may have. That would be awesome.
0: Well, thanks for taking some time to catch up today. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Thanks for having me back, Josh. Appreciate it. Okay, kids, that's show number 97 officially in the books. If you want to take a ride with us on the Wayback Machine, we'll link out to episode number seven, which was Eric's first interview with Obsessed with Design. You can get all of today's show notes, and this week we've got a bunch of them, at obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you with some of my favorite new episodes, our new YouTube experiment, and some other cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Twitter is one of my favorite ways to receive recommendations for new guests tweet to @obsessedshow and I'm at Josh Miles let us know who you think we should interview next please head over to iTunes and subscribe to Obsessed with Design we'd love to have a rating and review to help others find the show Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis Visit milesherndon.com to learn more. And although our show is almost always edited by Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company, and her website is brassybroad.com, this week I did a few audio experiments of my own, and so we won't blame Jen for anything. Let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.